When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. You know, I'm not just sitting on the sideline with headphones on. I am approaching my preparation truly like I'd approach trying to prepare to beat a team, scout a team. Also, I'm trying. I'm watching film of these teams. Like, what do they do that we can steal? The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers. The Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Here's your host, John Little. We made it. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. I'm your host, John Little. Thank you so much for being here. The WNBA season is officially underway with the first six games in the books. Thanks for being around. You are tuned in to the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Your home for the best guests that we can possibly rustle up and bring to you every single week here on Mondays. And we are doing this on a Monday after a weekend in which we saw outstanding basketball. Finally, some wobble basketball action into our eye holes. Uh, and my gosh, I just had so much fun keeping up with every game this week. Couldn't watch every game in its entirety, uh, but certainly watched as many as I could. And then, of course, kept up with what happened in each and every one of those games. And especially on Sunday, I thought, uh, you know, the game's coming right down to the end. Uh, Clutch buckets and big comebacks were the name of the game for the first two games of the day, and then high scoring in the third game. Uh, But it's really exciting what we're going to be bringing to you here on this feed the rest of this week and over the course of the WNBA season. Uh, I hope you heard the announcement on the Unplugged podcast, but joining us as another podcast on our feed are Christy Winter-Scott and Gabe Ibrahim, and they are going to be doing a podcast 
every single Tuesday is when it's going to come out. It's going to be called Courtside, and they're going to be looking at the Washington Mystics and the WNBA as a whole. So what better time to introduce that to you than this week as the WNBA gets started? And I just wanted to say first brush, um, a lot of people are talking about their MVPs of the first uh, weekend of the season. I thought, no doubt, it was just the collective players for me. Talk about the players taking a stand uh, for Breonna Taylor, for her memory, for justice for her, and trying to get that initiated, whatever it takes. And to think that this entire WNBA season, the reason that players are even playing in large part, is to say her name and to play for the memories of a Breonna Taylor, of others that have fallen due to police violence along the way, like a Tatiana Jefferson. My gosh, how more upfront could it be? You could not miss it this weekend if you tuned into a game. And by the way, some of the early numbers we're seeing is that the ABC game on Saturday afternoon was up 20% over last year and the highest watch game, uh, highest watch opener for the WNBA since 2012. Incredible progress. And when you think about it, it wasn't even that great of a game as far as the competitiveness of it. Uh, as it went on, it was about you know, a 15, 20-point game in the fourth quarter. So imagine if it would have been a slugfest right down to the end, what kind of numbers we'd be seeing. But all in all, I can't believe they got it pulled off. I'm so impressed by it. Congratulations to everybody in the league who got this done, who pulled together to make this happen. It's off and running, and now 21 more to go for all of these teams. Well, our guest on the podcast this week is Reagan Peebley, the head coach of the TCU Horn Frogs and a former WNBA player and somebody that has done a ton of work. If you've watched the WNBA over the last four years or so, you've seen her on broadcast because she's been an analyst for the Dallas Wings for several years now, along with their play-by-play man, Ron Thulin. They make an outstanding combination, a great broadcast team. And so Coach Peebley would talk about that part of what she's been able to do, her time at TCU, uh, what it felt like to have to cut the season short, and then how things might be different leading into this season, her seventh at the helm in Fort Worth, and having to do it with a much younger team. Just a outstanding conversation. I knew she would be good. I know you're going to enjoy this. The head coach of the TCU Horn Frogs, Reagan Peebley. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I anticipate that this week uh, you got to start doing some things uh, with your squad, I suppose. Well, I wish I could say yes. Well, darn. <laughs> what? Yeah, what's quite, going on? <laughs> I know we're not quite there yet. We um, we are actually starting in about a week and a half. We just took a little bit different approach and every schools and every program I know is a little bit different. But we uh, just decided to make things a little bit easier on our players and their parents because the timing of when we were going to be able to bring them here 
was really only about two weeks away from when they were going to really be able to move into their fall dorms. So we made it easy and they're going to just move right into their fall dorms and we'll get to work. Fantastic. Well, you know, you just got to adjust on the fly. And that's what this has been about for the last few months here. And you guys were certainly caught in the middle of that. It's got to be tough, especially for a program that had, Mm -hmm. what, six seniors on it. Four of your five starters were seniors. You guys were just having an incredible season. And then like that, you know, it it comes to an end. How tough was that on you? Well, the, it was, what was hard on me was, you know, obviously there's things that your coaching staff, you know, the time and the investment you put into it, but our why is completely bound around our players and to see the just torture it was on them. It was awful. And I know this period of time, it, it, it's hard to even talk about pain when you know surrounding sports, when you know people are going through the pain of losing a loved one. Um, and I don't at all want to compare it to the same thing. I just know in that moment, it was so hard, heartbreaking. Physically, we, we felt like somebody had just taken everything out of us and, um, I hated it for our players. They had bought in in every way a coach dreams that a team would buy in um, and had helped us build this program into where it's at right now. And for them not to be able to finish it off with the way we knew and believed that they were going to be able to finish it off was, uh, you know, in, in the world of sports, it was traumatic. You were there in, you know, in KC together, I suppose. And then, you know, the Big 12 tournament gets stopped. And then soon, you know, the NCAA tournament, which you would have made, is also not going to happen. And then you kind of go your separate ways, I suppose. But how did you try to honor those kids or stay in Mm -hmm. touch with them or especially those those six seniors and anybody that was on that team? What was it important to you to do and how did you do that? Well, we we did get good news, um, not to completely answer your question yet, but that one of our seniors was granted an additional year of eligibility. So um, we have one of them coming back, which was which was awesome for her. She gets a, a cherry on top type of season and an opportunity at redemption. But here's what, um, you know, for me, everything goes through a faith filter. And I'm just so thankful that there was a, enough presence of mind in the moment to be able to do this. And I don't think it came from my own intellect. I think it was just truly a godsend to, to um, remember this moment when you play basketball and you're going through postseason. It, you don't think that game is you're going to be your last game unless you make it to that championship game. And so you are an end of a season for almost everybody is comes to an ex- a screeching halt. And you hold in all of those things that as a senior that you want to say um, to your team, there's that special intimate moment after your last game in the locker room that you have and you save it all for that moment. And we uh, got word that, you know, pretty much our, our season, the big 12 tournament and, and quickly after the NCAA tournament was over um, when we were on the court in Kansas city practicing, getting ready for our first game. And um, we quickly ended up on a plane, which put us on a bus um, in Fort Worth and drove us right to campus. And I took the team as soon as we got off the bus and we went on to uh, 
we went onto the court and it was just us. And we had that moment that usually you get to have with a team at the end of your season. And seniors were able to share their gratitude, their um, dreams for the program moving forward. Returning players were able to speak to their seniors. We uh, cried. Everybody was crying together. Um, and that was our last time that we've physically been together as a team. And I think that helped healing. Is it complete closure for those seniors? No, but I know having that moment was really important. Um, and I'm so thankful that we had it because words were said in a time that they needed to be said. And uh, we'll always have that that moment. Mm, that is great to hear about, Coach. Um what about for you personally? How long did it take for you to mentally flip from, man, we just had a really good season and we just had it really taken from us to, all right, well, I've got a, some really good pieces coming back, but a lot of newcomers next year. Now I've got to drive mm -hmm. into that. You know, was that a quick turn of the page for you or how did it work for you? No, not really. Probably not as quick as maybe it should have been to be, I'm just going to be really honest and vulnerable with you, but I can tell you, um, I actually just recently had this conversation with my husband that as our entire coaching staff went into, you know, serve our team mode when our season ended that way. And you're, you're not only taking care of the collective, but you're focusing on the individuals and how they're feeling. And we spend a lot of time with them in that way, um, on the phone, on walks, um, in prayer with their families because their parents were hurting too. And um, then, you know, your, your newcomers are excited to get going and your team's having, your new team's having a Zoom and they start a new team text and call it the new and improved and like all of that. And it is, dude, they're doing, and we're doing what is supposed to happen. But our staff kind of realized like, I don't know if we've taken the time to heal ourselves. <laughs> from this and we just kept putting one foot in front of the other and I, I think we have been able to come to that place as a staff and what has really helped us are our girls is this new team is there excitement and motivation and feeling like there's unfinished business um, and the energy that they are attacking this very unprecedented unique time with but optimism that they have, they've been adaptable and fluid with change, creative, and that has been incredibly healing and allowed us to just get our heads up and keep looking forward with, with true, genuine excitement. Well, that is outstanding to hear, Coach. And uh, I know that, um, you know, like you said, that with the unfinished business, there's going to be a lot driving you. There's going to be a lot driving uh, a lot of teams next year as well. I would guess there's going to be a, a lot driving Lauren Hurd. And, <laughs> you know, um, coming off a first-team all-conference season uh, where she was just spectacular at about 18 points a game, plus everything she brings to you in, in so many other ways as well as a facilitator and, and certainly you – um, yeah, look to all your players for, you know, to be mm -hmm. solid defensively as well. What do you expect out of her in her senior season? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I get the question a lot, um, you know, of how, what's been the key to Lauren Hurd's development? You know, they felt like she just popped on the scene this year and 
those in the Big 12 could, I think, see some of this coming. But her freshman year, she played a lot of minutes for us, and she played because she competed, and she had her switch was always on. She made mistakes, absolutely, but you'd forget about the mistakes so fast because she just kept going and being relentless. And she didn't always do things with purpose, but she went hard all the time. In her sophomore year, she added a little bit more purpose to what she did, a lot more purpose, more IQ, patience, um, some, you know, poise, built in a, a more efficiency to her game. And this year, I thought she became a much more efficient player became an incredible on-court and off-court leader. She focused a lot on her leadership this past season. And as we head into this season, I think she's looking to just play in a flow and leave a legacy and let that legacy be how she serves this team and how she prepares other players and how she competes and the the standards she sets in all areas of uh, of her um, walk as an athlete, as a as a woman, as a student, and um, what I've just asked her to do is don't don't focus on anything other than you trying to be your best self and hold yourself accountable and bring people up with you. Everything else will take care of itself if you do that. So you, as a person who has experience uh, playing in the WNBA, and of course as mm -hmm. an analyst as well, so is that yeah. not something that you talk about when you've got a player like that? You know, do you talk about with her if she wants to what you see as what she needs to do to make it at that very elite level? Or yeah. it, it, like you said, I mean, you just gave me a great list of ways that she can be great this year. Or or do you guys mm -hmm. specifically talk about the professional level? Well, we, the system that we run um, offensively is, I think, very European professional level like. And so we're going to continue to find ways to help her keep getting better in those actions that I know WNBA teams, scouts, coaches are watching for when they watch these players in college. Like how quick is that transition going to be for them understanding offensively some of the things you got to do at this level in those positions and then defensively we do a lot of things that carry over I think well also from you know the concepts of switching defensively the concepts of rotation and, and uh, 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 transition defense and then I think also protection of the tunnel how important and crucial that is um, in creating congestion and forcing the ball out of the paint. So we'll continue to help um, her develop in those areas that our program already emphasizes and highlight some of those skill sets that are so important for her to be able to be successful at the next level. Outstanding. You know, what are, especially in a year where you break in so many new players or and mm -hmm. at least they're going to be uh, players that were a little bit younger that will f have to fulfill bigger roles in the next year. How does that change what you're going to be doing in a couple of weeks? Like you say, when you when you bring everybody in finally, yeah. um, is it going to look different than a summer or a early fall would last year? Well, I do think there's going to be some ways that are definitely different and more awkward and cumbersome and challenging because we haven't had all the time to spend with them on the court. 
but I can't tell you how many times I've gone to our compliance people. I've, I'm on the board of the WBCA and I've brought it up like, hey, can we look at changing this where I've wanted in the summer for us to spend more time to be able to watch film with players and help their IQ development? Um, you know, that that is, I think, as crucial of a player's development as anything that you're going to do on the floor. And we've been able to spend that time this summer with that IQ development with all of our players. The time that these newcomers have had being able to break down film and look at details and understanding of the why we do things, we've never been able to do that with players this young. They're ahead of the curve that way right now than players in the past coming in. But we will not skip steps in building our system I just, I, I don't feel like we can say, well, we have less time, so we've got to fast forward this first four weeks or six weeks, whatever, to get caught up to where we usually are. I think we have to trust that those foundational building blocks are so important that we can't rush that. We might have to do less and let that be our more right now, as opposed to doing more <laughs> and turning that into less. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And that got me thinking, um, especially for freshmen or even a junior college player who maybe hasn't had to do this. How heavy are your uh, scouting reports that you pass out to your players? And how much teaching do you have to do to get players to interpret a scouting report the way you want mm -hmm. them to? Well, I think it, that is really important, actually. In our system, it is. I think scouts are uh, a big part of what we do. Um, self-scouts as well as opponent scouts. And, you know, that's going to be an area, too, that where we might have to, with some players, set them up for more success in building their confidence and giving them a little bit less before we give them more. Um, but it, it's not so much the giving them it, it's the expectation to retain it and to utilize it is usually, I think, a part of the growing process that young players have, where they start to really understand how fast this game goes and how your offensive game plan quickly bleeds into your defensive game plan from transition defense to how you're going to guard a, a drag on ball in transition compared to a half court deeper wing on ball um, later in the shot clock. And then boom, you've got the ball again and what you need to do. There's there, that is a growth process that I think um, you just get by getting out there and you have to make some mistakes. You got to learn how important it is. And you've got to also, you know, catch them doing it right where they get and understand all of a sudden like, oh, wow, that's why we do that, because it forces them into their mistakes and it becomes a lot easier to win. So um, to answer your question, it's very important. And I think giving it to them and helping them understand how important it is to retain and execute that game plan is crucial. And I think listeners have been hearing it along the way, and they especially just heard it there. The way you talk about the game is very addicting and infatuating, and it's a reason why you're a great analyst for the Wings, and I love listening to you analyze a game. How did your ability to communicate the game in that way develop, and where did that come from? Geez, that's a big question. That's ask, like asking, like, how how come you are the way you are? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think some of it is I grew up with the game. My dad's a coach. He's coached at every level on the women's side, from the pro to college to high school. And 
you know, he's still coaching um, in his 70s. So I think, um, you know, that definitely was part of it. There was always, he was always teaching it to me, right? Whether it was on the court in practice or we're home watching our, our own game film or we're watching Lakers Celtics games. Um, so I was just around it a lot. Um, but I just love the intricacies and I love to, I think everybody, every coach has something to offer. You know, I, I coached with Tom Collin, who is one of the finest coaches, I think, in women's basketball ever. And he's retired now. He's Nikki Collin, the Atlanta Dreams head coach or a uh, husband, sorry. And Tom is a magician when it comes to offense. And then I coached with Kurt Miller, who is the Connecticut Sun head coach. And Kurt is so good defensively, but he's also amazing at player-coach relationships and watching how he did things. I had a great college coach myself who was a, a wizard, who was excellent at preparing a team with scouts. Um, and you just are expose yourself to enough influences and I've tried to be very intentional about bringing those mentors into my life and that I guess is what kind of forms who I am but I'm definitely not a finished product there's definitely things I know I need to continue to grow and add to to my resume and to um, my abilities well, you do a really good job faking it, at least. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, no. we all got to be. We all have to have a little element of that, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely, we got to. Uh, we got to tap dance sometimes for sure. <laughs> uh, Reagan Peebley is our guest, the head coach of the, the TCU Horn Frogs, and uh, certainly, uh, like we said, uh, an analyst for the WNBA as well. And I, we're really excited this week to be able to get some WNBA ball games on our yes. uh, telly again. And um, even if we can't go in in person, we get to to watch them. And you see the Dallas Wings a mm -hmm. lot. Um, obviously, this team is going to be extremely young, not only this year, but in the coming years. But what excites yeah. you about uh, where the Wings are headed? Well, I think they have the the right coaching staff around them right now, being such a young team. And I feel like this is more of a... Uh, uh, a, a younger version, but uh, more of a Brian Agler-esque team. Um, and I think their chemistry from what I, I've seen and what I've heard is as good as it's been in a really long time. Um, you know, and you'd hope at this time of this season before you play the game, the chemistry is good. But there, it sounds like there's some sub, like really strong substance and roots to it. Um, I think they can shoot the ball. They've got some shooters out there. And obviously with a player like Arike who can get to the paint pretty much at will and, and cause defenses to get into crisis mode, those shooters are going to help her. Um, I think, you know, they, they've got, um, if they can, if they can figure out that defensive end of the floor and create some offense off their defense, which is obviously your highest percentage offense usually, I think they've got a shot um, to to win some good to win some games this year, maybe more than people realize. Will you be able to um, be involved with the broadcast this year? Not as of yet. There's you know a little bit of discussion, and believe it or not, there's a few things still up in the air with that. But not as of yet. But definitely, I'm going to be soaking in as much as I can because I just love that league and I miss it so much right now. Being able to go into those practices and, and 
study the film like I usually am this time of year. Oh, absolutely. How do you that that that's a great question. You've got to be prepared for whatever you do and that includes analyzing um these games in a normal season. How far ahead of time mm-hmm. are you starting to ramp up to uh prepare to watch and, and and analyze these games? How much time does it take up when it uh, we're talking about your summers and you've got obviously yeah. a very involved job uh, with TCU as well. Yeah. And I got my three kids and my husband. There you go. And, yep. Yeah. Really, what I really approach it as, and people ask me, like, how do you find the time? And I say, well, that's the time that I commit to my individual personal development as a coach. And, you know, we expect our players to go out in the summer and come back as better players. I got to do the same thing. And I got to model that. And, you know, I'm not just sitting on the sideline with headphones on, you know, this is just like show up and and talk. Um, I am approaching my preparation truly like I'd approach trying to prepare to beat a team, scout a team. Also, I'm trying, I'm watching film of these teams. Like what do they do that we can steal? What actions are they running with their personnel that is similar to what we have that can make us better offensively and defensively? And so um, then I I show up to the game and I get to talk about what I've studied and uh, what I've learned. And so that's the preparation. And I I really feel kind of like I'm getting way more out of this than anybody else in this whole deal, Um, because I I get to go be a better coach and be exposed to phenomenal uh, coaches and additionally players, like watching those players prepare and listening to them and their practices and listening to their leadership and, you know, that also watching and being, having that opportunity to be on the floor when they're talking to their team about off court stuff, social injustice issues and what's important and what's on their heart, man, that is a privilege. And I just feel like I get so much from it and so much better with the opportunity to do it. I love that, that you can take it and apply it. Yeah, I mean, it's just like uh, it's just personal development out there. Every piece of exactly. it is, is personal development for you. And that's just a, a terrific way to look at it for sure. Coach, I wanted to ask you before I let you go, um, the Big 12, uh, yeah. obviously, my gosh, what a tough league to coach in. You remove one really good coach in Karen Aston, and you get another mm-hmm. one in Vic Schaefer that's uh, coming right in uh, to yeah. try to keep the pressure on you down at Austin. Um, but what have you learned in the last six or seven years about mm-hmm. what it takes to stay at the top of that league uh, year in and year out? I think we're all in awe of what Baylor has been able to do yeah. um, year in and year out. But what have you learned about what it takes to stay in that top, um, you know, pod of this league for the long term? Mm-hmm. Well, it's cutthroat. It's incredibly competitive and you know, I think uh, Kim Mulkey does not get enough credit. She is a fine coach. She is not just about the Jimmys and the Joes. That sure helps, right? That helps a lot. But she does a great job. And uh, she is so good for our league. She's good for our game. Um, and I'm glad Vic Schaefer's in our league. He's a great coach, too. And he's going to make me better. He's going to make him better. He's going to we're going to make him better, too. Um, and what I, I really think, too, is that. What's special about this league is that you can vacillate from top of the league to bottom of the league real fast 
if you aren't taking care of details. And you can go from bottom of the league to the top of the league. And I won't say fast. Nothing ever feels like it's fast when you're doing that. But if you do take care of details, and I think some of those details really mean like you take care of people. You take care of these players um, relationally. You take care of their bodies. You you make them a priority. You grow their leadership. And I think leadership has everything to do with success in this league. Not just leadership from that head coach position and your assistants, but leadership within your program. And sometimes, yes, that means the more experienced teams tend to finish more up near the top. But sometimes your more experienced players aren't your best leaders. So you've got to find where those leaders are and empower them and grow them and build their confidence up and put them on that stage and allow them to lead. And I think that can turn into wins for you um, and the and the program. But um, it's this is a, an incredible league, a historic league that I think has an awesome future. I think Marlene Stallings at Tech and Brandon Schneider at Kansas. I mean, everybody, Bill and Jim and Sherry. And it's just, it, it might carry. You go top to bottom. And I look down the sidelines sometimes and I'm like, holy cow, this is so cool. We are sharing a court with some of our game's best, the best players and the best coaches. And uh, that's the Big 12 for you. That's why I uh, absolutely love following it for sure. And uh, I really appreciate what you had to say today. I knew you would be a great guest. That's why I really wanted to have you on. And I uh, thank you so much for your time, Coach Peebley, and wish you the best this the rest of the summer. I appreciate it. And I thank you guys for everything you do. It's fun just to see some of the stuff you guys put out and and hear it. And again, you're another source of uh, education for all of us. And I think... uh, you know, one of the things that you guys do is not only tell the stories, but you also are teaching us as coaches how to get ready for the future of the game, whether it's efficiency ratings, it's um, recruiting, it's, you know, different actions. And um, I really hope people are paying attention to what you guys are, are bringing onto the stage for us. Hey, thank you so much for saying that. We really appreciate it. And uh, we kind of just a, a big family and we all bring our you know different <laughs> passions to the thing and uh, we're having a lot of fun uh, covering the great game so thank you awesome. so much coach all right thank you have a good one be safe that's coach reagan peebley from the tcu horn frogs a reminder to rate and review the podcast whenever you get the shot just go down there on itunes Give us whatever stars you think we deserve, um, and then write a little review. It just helps other people find us. And you know what else helps is just word of mouth, passing it out there You know, to people that you like and say, hey, have you heard this conversation with Reagan Peebley or some of the other ones that we've done in the past? And uh, make sure that your friends that love women's basketball are listening to the show as well. And we've got another week of great shows lined up, not only unplugged Later on this week, but tomorrow on Tuesday, the first edition of Courtside is coming up with Christy Winters-Scott and Gabe Abraham. I wish them the best as they start that journey as well. Thanks for listening again this week. We will talk to you next Monday. For our executive producer, Aaron Barzalai, our music is by Jared Deck, JaredDeckMusic.com, and our announcer, Susie Solis. I'm John Little, reminding you, at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we're unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Her Hoop Stats.